this universe, we look at a lot of things like failure is not such a bad thing. You're not failing. You maybe you're not trying hard enough. All right, we should probably start our actual podcast that we do. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. I forgot that I'm the one who starts the podcast. <laughs> yeah, we just, we just count until you start the podcast, Andy. Yeah, we could have just kept going. Uh, welcome to Ending Pending. I'm your host, Andy. I'm consuming media critically, and I'm Evan. I'm starting not to like Donal Logue, and I'm Ronnie. If you can tell by those introductions, Ending Pending is a podcast where we discuss television shows which have only lasted for a single season. Except when we don't do that. We are currently covering NBC's Terriers, uh... But before we get into that, I have a bit. Can't wait. I need a Ooh. bit. I need a bit to to jazz me up to, yeah. to bring me back to life to to sprinkle some spice on my life. What's the this, bit, Andy? This is the first bit of 2021. <gasps> um, it is. It is. It is. And boy, howdy! I, I could use <laughs> I could use a good bit. <laughs> yeah. No pressure or anything, but there. The reason this is the first bit of 2020 is because uh, our country is on fire. Yeah. So. Yeah, we, we so, took we took a we took a break last week because of uh, of said fire on said country, and and so what I'm saying is, oh, this bit has to really uh, make up for the fact that I had no bit last week, and I just I just need need a a recuperation bit. So I would like to before I do the bit, uh, invite the audience to step into the kitchen and see how the sausage gets made. Sure. So I'm going to explain kind of the concept of the bit oh. and what's going to and what's going to happen after the bit because I have a second hidden bit behind the bit. Uh and then in between that is going to be like a bit sandwich and we're going to do the bit. Did everyone follow that? I appreciate what you're doing here. I I trust you to lead me in the right direction. I'm getting real bit blue balls over here, though. I hope I'm really excited for this bit. I don't like that string of words that you put together, Ronnie. (laughs) So this bit, I came up with this bit after watching the first three episodes that we covered on Terriers before we, we watched the fourth. And then the bit got super relevant with Bean Dad. And I was like, oh, this... Wow, this bit is prophetic. This bit is super applicable with Bean Dad. And then it kind of got like more relevant with everything that mm-hmm. happened. I cannot last imagine week. what you're talking about that became relevant, then more relevant because Bean I'm gonna, Dad, then I'm going to I'm going to get there. Direction. Okay. So my the bit and, and but then we had to wait a week. Uh and so so this this bit is you know, maybe aged a little bit, but I still think is very relevant to what is currently the zeitgeist. Mm-hmm. And after the bit, I'm going to go on a tiny rant about something that I'm kind of mad about, but is super applicable to Terriers. Give so I'm me tie this, this dry all aged bit, Andy. Mm-hmm. So the bit is, what were you up to in 2011? 2011. 2011. Oh, 10 Jesus. years ago. Yeah. Jesus. I'm, I'm going to go first while you guys think. 
Sure. Because that's going to break up all of the talking I'm going to do when the bit is over. I so went, I'm going to go first instead of last. I went to Medieval Times. Evan, no. it's not your turn. I'm I going know. first. I'm, I'm just, I'm having like flashbacks. Yeah, Medieval Times is pretty cool. Um, 2011, Andy was 19 years old. I was a prayer leader on dorm eight at Liberty University. In January, uh, I probably still would have been on Christmas break, but maybe I would have just gotten back to the dorms. I don't really remember. And we probably had a seafall weekend, like around the start of the semester. So I seafall, it was college for a weekend where like high schoolers would come and live in our dorms. Um, and you like had to house a high schooler for like four days, just like on your floor in a sleeping bag. This is an indoctrination technique because I've never heard of anyone doing this. This was a liberty thing. Uh, and our dorm always planned like wild and crazy games for Seafall weekend. So we were probably like planning oatmeal wrestling or Wiener Fest or Puke Fest or the Gauntlet. We did a lot of weird kind of homoerotic stuff on our dorm. A lot of stuff with genitals. Uh, a lot of puking. A lot of... Uh, we did a breakfast slip and slide, which was probably the gayest thing I've ever done. And, I mean, I've sucked dick. So, uh, I, I, I can tell I, you how gay the breakfast slip and slide was. I will just say, I did not go to a, uh, evangelical Christian college, uh, but my, uh, my wife did. And I visited and had to stay in the boys' dorms. You are not wrong, Evan. There's a lot, a lot more a lot genitalia, of a lot, a lot of genitalia in the men's dorms at uh, Christian colleges. A lot more than you'd think. Yeah. I went to a regular ass secular college where people are, you know, as reasonably well adjusted as college students can be. So yeah, I don't know what the fuck. Um, Y'all are talking about. Anyway, I had a, I, I was having a, a, a darn good time and trying really hard to not think queer thoughts. Um, but, <laughs> and you were setting yourself up for such success with the oatmeal wrestling and Wiener Fest. Yeah, <laughs> Wiener Fest was tiny hot dogs, but okay. it was called Wiener Fest. Listen, the joke was like, listen. Ah, it's gay. Yeah, um, <laughs> the wink and nudge is there. I was running too many RPGs. I was probably in like four or five weekly RPG sections. I was dating a lot. And um, I was at the time being groomed to become president of the comic book club. I was probably like vice president at that point. Which all of the other clubs hated us because they were either pro-military, pro-Israel, or uh, pro-life clubs. We were the only... Like, literally, like, the only, like, fun pop culture club on the campus. And so it was always super awkward whenever we had to, like, do official club shit. And it was like, cool, we're between the anti-abortion people and the, like, pro-nuke the Middle East people. This is awkward. What? At a... At Liberty University, who are you messaging to when you are any of those clubs? Because that's, like... I understand that there's nuance in people's opinion. I know that not everyone at Liberty is absolutely homogenous, but like the official position and prevailing sentiment at Liberty 
is just all of those things. Why do you need a club to advocate for that? I don't know. I didn't. I wasn't in any of them. So I don't know what they talked about. <laughs> Maybe they um, mentioned I, that I, in the I meetings. Was, I was just like at my table being like, "Yeah, this new MCU thing's pretty cool, huh? Do you want to join the comic book club?" <laughs> Marvel's pretty hot. Marvel's pretty hot on the military industrial complex. Come along. Mm. We're gonna mm. we're gonna watch that new Thor movie. Uh, we got we we rented out one of the big screens. You want to come? Uh, but yeah, that was that was my 2011 in a nutshell. Was Liberty University shit and making the best of it, and you know having a good time, but feeling very uncomfortable the entire time. Yeah, I don't remember what I was doing in early 2011. I turned 21 in 2011 and that was the specific incident not incident that makes it sound like a crime and that was the specific thing i was remembering about going to medieval times for my 21st birthday i wanted to go to medieval times the medieval times incident sounds like you maybe <laughs> stabbed a man with a lance i did not <laughs> i didn't i had a great time i got a light bright for my 21st birthday except i mean like my dad paid to take me to medieval times i think that was like a slightly weird thing to want for your 21st birthday um you, wait a light bright like the toy from the 90s yes i mean i'm i specifically wanted to go to medieval times for my 21st birthday and i think my dad thought that was a little weird but he was like eh, whatever at least he's not like bar hopping so my whole family and several friends went to medieval times and then uh, one of my friends gave me a light bright and I had a great time at her apartment uh, putting the little light pegs in the light bright. That's fucking rad. That's pretty uh, sweet. I did, have, I did have champagne. I didn't really get drunk. I just like had some champagne. Uh, and we, we just had a generally very good time. Um, I was in... Was I still in college at the time? I was toward the end of college. Yeah, I graduated in 2012. So I was I was toward the end of college by then. Uh, I would have been living in an apartment off campus. And I, I had... I don't have the sort of stories that you have, Andy, because I, I, I was having a real regular one in college, generally. I had a good time. I had a pleasant college experience. But, um, yeah, I just... Uh, I, I just chilled most of the time. My college experience was normal for me. And then Facebook is like, hey, do you remember that time you were in Jerry and Becky Falwell's private football booth and like spent the afternoon talking to them? And I'm like, wow, that's fucking weird now, huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. That aged weird Facebook, huh? Yeah. Oh, kinky. <laughs> you almost you almost could have been a pool boy you could almost, almost. have been there mm -hmm. what's the what's the non-binary of pool boy hmm pool officer pool <laughs> pool lad pool fighter swim, swim champ <laughs> Ronnie what were you doing in 2011 in 2011 I was I was still a journalism major at Bucks County Community College before that gotta was... Gotta love Bucks. Gotta love Bucks. Centurions, baby. Um, I wrote for the Centurion for a little bit. 
uh, and uh, studied under the professor Tony Rogers, who was a fine guy, but not a great professor. He's the professor that made us buy his book for mm. the Bucks County Community College Journalism class. Mm. Um, and I had just gotten back together with my longtime girlfriend from high school. Um, and... Uh, we were, we were in it for the long haul. So I, I was, uh, I was getting as, 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 as depressing as it sounds. And it kind of like, it feels that way <laughs> looking back, I was kind of getting my ducks in the ducks in a row for the rest of my life. Cause it was just like, well, this phase of my life is just a, it's just a phase. It's just a thing I have to get through, uh, until I get to the next phase, which is, which is marriage and settling down. Um, how old were you when you got married, Ronnie? Too young. Too young. Can I say, I love my wife. I love my daughter. I love the marriage that we have. I got married entirely too young. Yeah, you you just wound up in a good marriage purely yes. by dumb luck. Yes. Ronnie, which yes. is not in any way a diss to you or your wife or anything like that. You're wonderful, both of you. But I just mean, like, no two people are the same at 21 as they are when they're real adults. We are we are super not the same people, and we just have lucked out that, like, as good as we were then, we have, like, grown together instead of, like, grown in, like, different, like, uh, opposing ways. Um, mm -hmm. So that's, that's also incredibly lucky. I do not give this advice to anybody that they do what I did. Do not do what I did. Did your parents pay for your wedding? Somebody had to have. Sure did. Yep. They yeah. split it. Dope. Um, so yeah, I was, I was, uh, I was making, um, ill-advised decisions that ended up working out just fine. Um, and I was on the precipice of changing to my fifth major, um, just in time to graduate college early because I don't need this college life. I'm getting married. Um, I was also 19 at that point. Because thank you for, for doing the math in advance for me, Andy. I got um, you. And uh, yeah, it was it was it was basically that. I wish I was doing fun stuff. I went to a college where I had a dorm for a semester, uh, and then I left that place and just worked. Just had to work to afford my future. Um, at Dick Sporting Goods. Mm. Oh boy, I had some bad jobs during college. I sure yeah. did. I had one terrible retail job. I had one fairly good retail job. I worked at like a little boutique shop in downtown Frederick. That was actually a pretty chill time because uh, it was it was not a cheap place to shop, but it wasn't so expensive that it exclusively attracted assholes, you know? So <laughs> pretty much everyone who came in there like knew what they were getting. So I worked at Joanne Fabrics before that. Like, that was the bad retail experience. And then when I worked at the shop downtown, like, we, we didn't have people, you know, like, haggling or complaining about how expensive sure. stuff was because they knew it was an artsy-fartsy nice place, you know? So that was pretty all right. Anyway, what's the, what's the punchline of this bit, Andy? So what are you the, up to? the punchline of this bit is... We were all pretty different people 10 years ago, I think it's fair to say. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. We've all changed and grown a bunch. Mm -hmm. I think it's fair to say that we probably are a little embarrassed about maybe some of the opinions we had back in the day. 
we were maybe, you know, insensitive on certain subjects or have grown and under, like come to understand, you know, nuances better as we have gone through this thing called life. Mm-hmm. But none of us were bigots 10 years ago. And no. if you were a bigot 10 years ago saying, oh, well, that was 2010. It's really a bad excuse, isn't it? Huh. <laughs> ten years ago. What I hate when people say, like, oh well that was, that was ten years ago, as if that means like, oh well that was nineteen fifty-six. Like, no, ten years ago was twenty ten. Baby? Maybe. Don't be a fucking bigot. Uh so you know, looking at you, uh Bean Dad, looking at you, Bean Dad's friend, Jeopardy man. <laughs> Maybe if you have some really fucking bad takes in the year of our Lord 2010, saying it was 10 years ago isn't a good excuse, because guess what, motherfucker? It was 2010. And if it was 20 years ago in the year of our Lord 2000, right? Yeah, 2001. That's a real fucking bad excuse, too, because guess what, motherfucker? It was 2001. I understand what you're saying. I'd like to caveat this with, like, if you had some real shitty opinions when you were not yet a fully formed human, like when you were a teenager, that's a whole other thing. Oh, 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 for sure. I do think saying, oh, well, I was a teenager is a pretty, pretty good excuse. Guess what? Yeah, you should still say... A lot of people as teenagers were shitty. you, You should still say, if you were a bigoted teenager, wow, shit, I was really wrong. I'm so sorry. I've learned so much and made attempts to like make amends since then you feel well, me? yeah and like maybe you were raised in an evangelical cult and you believe some problematic shit about the world but like you can still fully own that and say i've learned and grown and changed and like those opinions were in fact problematic and you're right you should call me on them but to use oh well that was 10 years ago uh i get a pass like biden people do this and joe biden does this where, like, Joe Biden has had some really fucking problematic views and opinions in the 80 years he's been in politics, so has Kamala Harris, and they, Joe Biden, one, firmly denies that he's ever had a problematic opinion. He's always like, I've been a civil rights icon, da 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 corn pop. And it's like, <laughs> no, my guy, in fact, you've said and done some really fucking racist shit and some really homophobic shit pretty fucking recently my dude but he's like i've never done that and uh they're like oh well you know maybe he did but no it was 10 years ago as if that means anything you've been in politics fucking 75 years and you had really shitty problematic opinions up till 10 years ago that means you've been making like political fucking laws and shit that were problematic for like 90% of the time you've been in politics. That's not a great track record. Maybe you shouldn't be president. Anyway, (laughs) that's my bit. Terriers came out 10 years ago and guess what, y'all? It's got some fucking problematic shit in it (laughs) and it's real fucking bad. It's real bad and just because it was 10 years ago does not mean Terriers gets a pass because Mm -hmm. it's real fucking shitty and bad. And awful, and the people who made it ten years ago should be fucking ashamed of themselves. Because mm-hmm. the opinions expressed in Terriers from ten years ago is r- fucking bad. 
There we go. Let's talk about terriers. It's that just was about constant. It's just it's just face face consequences. Twenty twenty one. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. do what you need to do. I'm not saying like go out in like the public square and be like, well, I was a bigot. Everyone gets to take a shot at my face, punch me in the mouth. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying like, don't like we don't need to get on this track of just like lying and defending every single thing. Like, yes, this this shit is like whack in 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 terriers and like it was a different time. But to Andy's point, that is not an excuse. We move forward. We fix what was broken by us if we have the ability to do that and seek out the ways that we can fix what is broken by us and and own it and and i don't know just the, and the, like the it was a different time argument i think maybe can hold weight with like a dead author from the 40s yeah to be like you know what tolkien he has some problematic views but it was a different time and like we but can recognize, then, we can recognize his bias and his his issues, and also realize that it was I don't know the fucking thirties and shit. But, but even that, but even then, the only reason that it was a different time and people weren't aware is because they were actively silencing the people or yeah. uh, alienating and subjugating the people who could take a stand and say, "Hey, this makes me feel like shit." That's also, why it was a different not, time. It's not like nobody came to progress it like by our standards progressive conclusions at those times right you know what i mean people knew that slavery was wrong when we were doing slavery people, people not not a lot of people would talk about this but there were people in society who wrote and spoke and made clear that they fully understood how deeply wrong slavery was when slavery was a thing that was just socially accepted so there were essays written in response to the constitution calling it hypocritical for saying all men are created equal and also legalizing slavery at the time people knew how laughable that was so when when i when we say like oh it was a different time and we can kind of recognize the nuance there and still call out the problems the people at that time who were disenfranchised by those beliefs and institutions fucking knew it was a problem then they were just silenced like ronnie said so when people talk about like oh you know it was a different time back then one that doesn't fucking hold weight in the year 2010 like it doesn't people knew racial injustices were a problem and prevalent in america in 2010 they knew that homophobia was an issue in 2010 they knew that like Trans people deserve basic human rights and dignity and shit in 2010. They knew that sexism was a problem in 2010. Saying it was a different time doesn't hold up 10 years ago. It maybe holds up in a time like the 40s. But the people who experienced those injustices at the time of the 40s knew they were problematic. And uh, there were also, you know, people who were uh, like Evan said, woke by our standards at the time who were also fighting against those injustices. But the the overwhelming odds and the brush strokes of history have not been kind to those voices. Anyway, I this was kind of a long conversation as part of our bit. 
But a uh, fun bit. Let's talk about how yeah, let's, terriers. Let's talk about let's talk about terriers. All I'm getting got... out of all I'm getting out of this is Andy is a big apologist for the 1940s. Let's talk about terriers. <laughs> uh, but, I don't I don't fucking know. I was just picking a random time because <laughs> I feel like I feel like if I said the 60s, people no. knew what the was what, what was fucking up in the 60s, mm-hmm. and saying oh what was the 60s? That's not a fucking excuse. People knew what was up in the 60s, 50s. Maybe they didn't. 40s, they probably did it. <laughs> anyway, everyone was, everyone was worried about we, the war and influence. I got no sympathy for Guys, people in the 60s who were contextualize this with the show. We should probably t- talk let's talk about, about terriers to contextualize this Evan, half hour of conversation. Evan just wants had. to fucking talk about terriers. He's a huge terriers fan. Big uh, terriers, head, big yeah. terriers fan. Evan. Sure. All right, so we watched episodes seven, eight, nine, and ten. Fuck. Um. This episode seven was entitled Missing Persons, and this is the one that I watched the longest ago. So my memory of it is a little vague, but uh, Britt and Hank find this kid kind of wandering around. He goes into the bathroom of the diner they're in, and the guy who owns the diner is like, deuce tweaking, I'll give you free breakfast if you get him to leave. Uh, He was not tweaking exactly he had amnesia and could not remember who he was so they embark on this long quest to figure out who this this poor little numpty is um turns out he i think i'm remembering this series of events right he was obsessed with this girl but was not dating her and she was like an environmental studies major or something and had always wanted to go to like Somewhere in Southeast Asia. Cambodia. Cambodia. Uh, and he was going to, like, surprise her by taking her, and he was going to thereby, like, win her heart, even though she was not interested in him. So he had, like, bought tickets to Cambodia and had started taking, like, anti-malaria pills, and a side effect of the anti-malaria pills is that they caused him to lose his memory. And, um, this all culminated in him, like, did he try to kidnap her or something like that? He did kidnap her. He had her duct taped in a cupboard. Yeah. Uh, And then he tried to shoot her or himself. He was going to kill himself. Yeah. He was was threatening to kill her roommate in an attempt to uh, commit suicide by cop. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, clearly this dude was very unstable long before he had amnesia, and him having amnesia just made this whole, like, stalking obsession thing he had more confusing for him and everyone involved. So, um, also, uh, Hank seems weirdly, like, on his side, even when he figures out that this kid was, like, I don't know if he was literally stalking this woman, but he was clearly obsessed with her in an unhealthy way and uh, was doing really uncalled for shit to try to, like, win her over, and that's just not And then had okay. her duct taped in a cover. Right, yeah. I think, I don't know if he did that when he was, like, flipped out on his malaria pills or if he was capable of doing that already. I don't know. Anyway, Hank was weirdly sympathetic for this kid, presumably because Hank is still obsessed with his ex-wife um but like the level to which he was like sympathetic for this kidnapper weirdo stalker kid uh made me a little bit uncomfortable 
the way they frame it is that he is sympathetic because of what's going on with his sister and her mental illness. But it's like, just right, like we right, talked right. about, like, let's have some nuance here. Like, this is not the same situation. Yeah. The, I don't. The think episode they... ends with like with with Steph going to assisted living because she's like, I just need more help than you can provide. And it's not fair to to be here right now. Like, I'm going to I'm going to take care of myself like. Oh, that's like you're a healthy person managing yeah. the the mental illness that you were able to manage. Excellent. It's not like this kid is not on the way to that. Like like it's it's just it is a a super false equivalency thing that just like is yeah. very irksome. They didn't establish him as being mentally ill in no. any way. Did they? They just he he went wacko because he uh like there was some side effect to these malaria pills that he didn't know about. He was already being a weirdo creep stalking this woman and like surprising her with this round the world trip that she was not interested in taking with him uh, before he took the malaria pills. So anyway, uh, episode eight is also about kidnapping, weirdly. Uh, it's entitled Agua Caliente. Uh, so Brit's ex-partner uh, is hooked up with this like drug cartel now he's got he knows these guys in this drug cartel and they want to commit a crime and Brit's old partner's like hey you know who's the best guy I know at that particular crime Brit and so he like tries to convince him to help at first and then that doesn't work and so the cartel just kidnaps Brit and takes him to Mexico and uh, Hank has to go to Mexico to rescue Brit from this, like, cartel that kidnapped him. And uh, in the escape, Hank gets shot. He's he's okay. It's not a fatal uh, bullet wound. But he gets shot in the shoulder. Uh, that leads into episode 9. <clears throat> I didn't realize until I uh, pulled up the episode info online that this episode was called Pimp Daddy. But now I hate it even more. Uh, this episode's real Brit-centric because Hank got shot recently and is doing physical therapy and stuff. So, uh, this young guy got his money stolen by a sex worker and he goes to Brit and is like, hey, a sex worker stole my money. Can you please get it back for me? And Brit's like, sure, what the fuck ever. It's like a friend's teenage son or something like that. And um, so as a result of getting on this case, he meets this trans woman who is a sex worker named uh, Michaela. And uh, she like agrees to give this kid his money back because it was like essentially all some kind of misunderstanding. And, um, it turns out that she knows another trans woman who was murdered and she wants uh, Brit's help in figuring out uh, they, they, they know of a murder case and they know of a victim who was found murdered. But as far as they know, like the victim is a man when everyone who... Uh, she like socialized with 
knew her as a woman. So they're trying to like piece this case together from it's, cases that seem unrelated because of the way the police are handling it. I'm going to interrupt you. Hmm. Um, it's not quite that. It's kind of worse than that. The woman is a trans woman, and Michaela refers to her as post-op. And she believes that the cops don't care about her, and the only reason they haven't been able to like, I like identify who she was is because they don't care, and she wants Britt to find out this person's family so that she can go and tell them that their child is dead. And so she has the idea of well, maybe she was reported as a missing person uh, under her dead name. And that's why the cops were never able to find out who the family is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they end up like dead naming her a bunch and going to her family and dead naming her a bunch. And it's real bad. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll get into that. Yeah. For sure. Uh, they do not treat trans women well in this episode. Um, so uh, Brit is helping to solve this uh, murder case and also goes with. Michaela to tell the murdered trans woman's parents that she is dead, but they, as Andy said, they do in fact refer to her by her dead name, like when they're informing her parents of her death. And like the parents never find out that their child was a a trans woman. So. Not quite. Don't they, they not because they go? No, they knew that she was a trans woman, but they specifically say that she became a good man and died a good man. And I that this don't... family who disagreed with her, they like misgender her a bunch. I believe they mentioned that the family never accepted her as a woman, and that is why I... she left and ended up becoming a sex worker. I remember them speaking about the family not being accepting, but I don't know that they went into detail about her having transitioned before leaving home because the parents say we don't even know why she ran away or why like they misgender her uh, her of course but like we don't even know why she ran away um, um, I think I, I think she was like in the clo- like in the closet at the point that she left her family I'll uh I'll say that this episode was so fucking bad yeah, that I mean, it is hard to exactly sort how yes. transphobic it was I, because everything about it was pretty fucking transphobic. It was very transphobic and very like the show didn't know what it was doing. It was clear and we'll get into this later. It was clear that it didn't seem like there was any trans people to consult on this. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and it seemed to confuse uh, crossdressers and drag queens and trans women. Yeah, and we'll get into uh, notably had a uh, like a drag performer playing yeah, we'll, the main character Michaela, so it was just a whole mess. We'll, we'll talk, we'll talk about it when we're past the the summary. Um, right. Oh, meanwhile, um, Gretchen, Hank's ex-wife, is about to get married, and uh, Hank is trying to dig up whatever shit he can on her current fiance because he has a problematic attachment to his ex-wife and he finds some old article about uh, Gretchen's new fiance's uh, family running a daycare where uh, the fiance's 
parents slash family members slash some people involved in this daycare like molested children and Hank suspects that the the new fiance might have been involved in this like child molestation when he was like a teenager or something uh whether that's a thing or not is never really clarified it doesn't really matter to the the conflict at hand he's just like the point is he's digging around in whatever shit he can find about Gretchen's uh fiance and when he confronts her about it she uninvites him from their wedding episode 10 is called asunder uh hank slightly creeps at Gretchen's wedding uh and at the hotel as it happens the so remember from many episodes ago <laughs> the real estate developer uh there was a higher level real estate developer who was his boss and that guy had a lawyer and that lawyer is like a bad guy he's like a nega hank and there's this reporter who reported on some shady shit that this real estate firm was doing and the shady real estate guys lawyer nega hank is now like cornering this reporter in this hotel to try to like shake her down and intimidate her and he like threatens her mother's life so hank is trying to get this reporter out of this situation with this lawyer nega hank and uh he like sends his tech dudes to like rescue her mom so that they can't like assassinate her mom essentially and he like gets her out of the hotel room with these like creeps um and meanwhile like downstairs Britt and Kate are at Gretchen's wedding and uh Kate for some reason chooses this uh exact time and place to like get very transparent about that affair that she had that she wasn't going to tell him about and so she just like instead of saying hey let's go home and talk about something she just like spills the beans when he confronts her ever so slightly so they break up also also in Kate's pregnant presumably So that's that. That's all that's, the things that happened. That's all the things that happened for whole episodes. Let's let's uh, speed through this part um, because I, uh, we're going to have to spend some time on episode nine. Uh, hey, Andy. Hey, Ronnie. These four episodes of FX's Terriers. Did they work for you? Nope. Interesting. Interesting. Hey, Evan. Yes, Ronnie. Did these four episodes of FX's Terriers work for you? No, and not just because of the transphobia. Like, that was real bad. But also, just generally, these episodes uh, annoyed me. Hey, Ronnie. Hey, yeah. Hey, Ronnie. Hey, yeah. Did these four episodes of FX's Terriers work for you. Andy, Andy's face, like you were so desperate to find a word that you could sneak in there to, <laughs> to fuck me up. 
<laughs> thought of Access was going to do it, but... No. I don't know the network that made this show. Who was it? Ronnie just said it. <laughs> it was FX? Yeah, yeah, you said a different God network. Damn, at the I said NBC earlier. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, it did not work for me. These, yeah, these four, these four sunk uh, like a lead weight compared to the rest of them that we've seen so far. Um, Can we do positives we... first and just get yeah. that out of the way, Ronnie? Yeah, I guess so. I was going to say maybe we finish with positives, but it's going to feel real bad saying like, oh, real but I like this part if we... Uh, the, the I think the only thing I have on my list that's a positive is um, that there's a when the the teen who's having a uh, malaria drug induced psychosis episode uh, locks himself in the bathroom at the diner that they frequent. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason that it's a problem is because an old man at the bar has to pee and the and the and the diner owner waiter whatever is like oh ed can't hold it much longer and i think hank says just just go in the women's room and the old man says i don't sit down to pee and i was like you like at a toilet like what you can't like stand at a toilet you can't you have a urinal at your home what what are you talking about I, uh, just, I think it was I think the people most... are just really into gender, Ronnie. I th- it must yeah. be. It I must be. really like gender. It. Yeah, it was just it was just a wild thing of like, but you know, but you know, you can still let me let me let me show you something real quick. Like you can just lift blow this. your mind. You're you're good. You don't you you spend all this money trying to find urinals around the town. Anyway, it was just that was the one moment where I was like, what this show is. It, it had such opportunity to be just plain ridiculous instead of bad, but it just took a left turn at bad town. I actually liked most of the uh, uh, Amnesia episode because it, you know, they had that good sort of investigative beat that they've had. I feel like actually this was the last episode of the like of the ones we have seen where. They were just kind of a doing doing like a case of the week, uh, you know, bop around town trying to solve this mystery episode. And I like that about the show. I really like when these dudes are kind of just being clever, using their contacts, getting information, making uh, making smart moves, uh, making correct conclusions so them like bouncing around trying to figure out like what medicine he took and where he was going and that sort of a thing uh i was actually down with it wasn't until like pretty near the end of the episode when it all came together and we figured out what a creepo weirdo this dude was and how hank was sympathetic towards him anyway that i was like no actually i have like Um, three very quick positives um, there is a scene in episode seven with the amnesiac creeper where Brit and Hank have like an argument because Brit doesn't want to help this kid, uh, because he doesn't realize that like Hank is kind of associating his sister's, um, uh, like issues with this kid and they have this really like genuine argument and Hank. Uh, is like, look, I'll like, like, I'll do what you want. Like, you're my friend, and I like, I respect you and trust you. 
And like, it's, it's a good argument and it's, I, I like when Brit and Hank are really vulnerable with each other. Um, I like that Hank's injury, like carried over through the rest of these episodes. Like we see him get shot in episode eight and then his arm is in a sling for all of episode nine and 10. And he's doing like physical therapy and stuff like yeah. a doctor come to his house or not a doctor, but a physical therapy person, you know, one of those people who do physical therapy come to his house and like, you know, have him roll on a ball or whatever. Also unrelated to my positives, but the reason why Brit is helping the kid who hired the prostitute is because the kid is the nephew of the physical therapist and the physical therapist was going to stop helping Hank because his insurance didn't cover him. And America is a fucking nightmare. Um, episode 10, I loved all of the hotel shit with Hank having to like book a room and bring his tech team in and try and assist this journalist woman. But like, they don't know each other. And like, he's trying to like signal to her without letting the baddies know. And she's trying to signal to him without letting the baddies know. And he's like, got the room above her room and all of that, like kind of spy shit, but it's Hank. So it's kind of sloppy and bad but he's also kind of weirdly good at it was all really fucking great TV. It's just that it was kind of ruined with right. Hank being a fucking creep. Yeah. I was stressed out by the wedding happening downstairs the whole time. Yeah. yeah. At his ex-wife's wedding. So overall, like really fucking cool stuff was happening there. And it was a great concept and all the actors were really good, but kind of ruined with Hank being a creep and kind of ruined with, Brit and Kate's weird, unhealthy shit that was like exploding at this poor woman's wedding and like just let Hank's ex-wife have a nice wedding and everyone just fucking chill. Anyway, those were my positives. The only other thing that I had was in episode seven, uh, as we said, it is like once you realize kind of what this case is, it is uh not great and Britt points that out that like this is not like our thing we are constantly chasing down these leads that like don't lead anywhere i.e. do not lead to money because you just get like on a power trip about it and he talks about like he confronts Hank about like the imbalance of power in their dynamic and their relationship and it's like yes Yes, like take charge here, Britt. Like that, that was a good moment because it was so true. Like mm-hmm. it was so, even in episode nine, you know, Britt kind of points out like, oh, I'm, uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not really the brains of the operation. So, uh, uh, you know, I have to wait for Hank and, and he kind of is like, no, I can, I, I can do this. And he does. And he does like the stuff that, you know, Hank would do. And it, it's fine. It's just, I, you know, Hank Hank has soured in these last episodes and I was very uh, happy yeah. that Britt mm-hmm. kind of like was like, yes, there is a balance of power here that is not healthy for a business partner or friends. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, on top of the fact that Hank knows about his girlfriend's infidelity uh, and is continuing to be like, hey, c- keep not telling him. You know what always solves uh High stakes, emotional problems, and intimate relationships. Lying. Lying, Lying works. I have Lying in my notes, always works. I have in my notes the very first note of episode seven. 
This sucks because Hank is still likable as a character, but he's a real fucked up friend, which means no, he's not still likable as a character. Um, this is a fun fact. The pervy kid who hired a prostitute is little baby Cal Kestis from Jedi Fallen Order. And it was super weird seeing him as a pervy young man mad about a prostitute that robbed him. Uh, but listen to Force Friends Rewatch, where we talk about things like Jedi Fallen Order without the weird baggage of the actor trying to hire a prostitute and getting mad that she robbed him. Classic Jedi problems. <laughs> uh, yep. <laughs> Can't tell me that's not happening on, uh... Kashyyyk? No, that's the Wookiee planet. Uh, lo- what's the what's Wow, the can you imagine prostitution on Kashyyyk? What a strange system that must be. Uh, well, Wookiees are all communists, so they yeah. don't have any form of currency. Bonobo monkeys manage to do prostitution, so I'm sure every sentient species has figured out prostitution. Communist Wookiees isn't canon, but look me in the eyes and tell me that they have a form of currency when they don't wear clothes. <laughs> <laughs> Where would they keep it? I'll tell you this. Uh, Chewbacca has no pockets for money, but has a uh, bullet uh, bandolier. So he that's, also that's has the- a purse. So fuck your gender roles. <laughs> All right. Let's. Uh, you want to just talk, talk about, about the transphobia episode? Let's talk about the transphobia. Let's just get that all out. Um, no, I, no, let's get it out. Let's confront this because it is yeah. important to discuss. Yeah, I don't mean that as, like, let's sure. throw it away so we can praise the rest of this show. That's not right, what I mean right. at all. I just mean, like, let's get this out of our systems. We've been sitting on it for a couple weeks. So the first thing I want to bring up is Michaela's introduction. Uh, she, while talking to Brit, pees in an alley standing up. And uh, that is the, I would say, the first sign that this show does not understand the difference between like drag queens and trans women. Uh, I don't think a trans woman would have been comfortable with that. I think a drag queen might. And there are many signs pointing that Michaela is a drag queen. And there are many signs pointing to that. No, she is a trans woman. And it really muddies the water about the issues. This episode is trying to discuss and, um, like, the identities it is trying to advocate for. Yeah. Um, the, the sort of, like, the most awkward thing is that I genuinely think that the writers of this episode were trying to be sympathetic mm-hmm. to trans people, because Michaela is not portrayed as a bad person, uh, like, I didn't realize until, like, most of the way through the episode that she was definitely meant to be a trans woman and not just, like, someone who dresses in drag and also is a prostitute. Because, as Andy pointed out, they weren't, like, clear about this and what the difference was. But, like, the real, the moment that it really became clear what they were trying to do is when Michaela and Britt were having a like heart-to-heart conversation and Brit was uh sort of confronting the idea of uh Kate potentially being pregnant and Michaela bringing up like 
you know, would you love your kid even if they were trans? And she doesn't use that language, but that's what she's asking. And that's sort of when I realized, like, oh, this is trying to be an episode about about trans people. And clearly they were trying to confront that issue. And clearly the writers of the show were saying, like, yeah, you should love your children even if they're trans. But then they clearly didn't do any research on trans people. They didn't bring in a trans person to consult about, like, how to sensitively handle trans issues. So it's really, like, don't get me wrong. It is absolutely fair to criticize this episode. But I'm also generally of the opinion that it's better to to do representation and not do a great job than to not do it at all. So I don't know if I want them to have not made this episode at all, but like, man, they really, they really screwed up. They really did a bad job. There's really did an objectively bad job of representing trans people. I almost don't know if there's anything worse than a like well-intentioned ally patting themselves on the back for totally missing the, the fucking ship because mm-hmm. this episode well like Evan's point is I think 100% accurate I do think this episode was trying to say something positive and I do think it like was not a mistake that it's the episode where Brit thinks he's going to become a father and then is confronted with like will I love my kid no matter what and like that's that's interesting and powerful stuff and like Brit who's kind of like a manly dude like having to like ask those questions and like consider like oh well what if my kid is gay or is trans like what will that mean as to me as the father and shit like that but this episode also can't help but punch down at trans people with mm-hmm. Brit and Hank both making offensive transphobic jokes mm-hmm. and like that's so shitty to have like to be like oh like this is the episode where we talk about how trans people don't deserve to be murdered and then you have the two protagonists like throwing the t-slur out there and making mm-hmm. like really shitty offensive jokes and like talking about clocking people and shit like that and like they knew these were shitty jokes in 2010 like there's no way you don't know that that's shitty and offensive my my biggest issue is just with the casting. Um, I did a light search because I don't know anything about Drag Race and I don't know the people that, that are on there. I've seen them in other things and I've enjoyed uh, them in, in different YouTube uh, scenes, but I didn't know much about uh, Shangela, who, who plays uh, Michaela in this. Um, based on what I could find, uh, Shangela is a drag queen is, does, is, does not identify as trans. Um, and like, that is just like, it sucks because I don't, I'm not saying that's the only reason why they felt comfortable writing jokes that include the T slur and include jokes at the expense of transgender people, but like, would they have, if you had a real live transgender person in the room reading over the script? I don't know. Probably not. 
this is the issue with something like Drag Race, where yes. you have RuPaul, who is a cis man, tossing that word out there and yeah. speaking for trans people and saying right. transphobic shit when he's not trans and he doesn't know what it's like to be trans. And just because you're a drag queen doesn't mean you know what it's like to be a trans woman. Right. Fuck you. I, um, in my, in my search, I stumbled across uh, a Reddit uh, showing Shangela from, uh, poignantly enough, uh, Andy, about 10 years ago on Drag Race, um, basically just saying that another drag queen looked like she was transgender and that she was uh, invalid as a drag queen in that case, uh, which fucking sucks. Um, and all of the comments were, you know, it was clearly a very RuPaul uh, friendly board and all the c- comments were like, you can't uh, hold this against them. You know how their thoughts have changed. Like, this is a totally different. Fine. Whatever. I don't care about what that is. That episode and this episode were both in the 2010, 2011 range. So that person is being transphobic on the show where they're famous for and also taking roles where they are uh, giving permission to the cis uh, hetero people in the room by using the T-slur that is coming out of their mouth. So it's giving the audience and the writers permission to say, oh, well, we can we can do that to them. Um. Another really shitty thing is the, like, reconciliation that happens at the end. Michaela shows up at um, their dead friend's parents' house uh, presenting masculine, presenting as a man, and talks about how much uh, their dead child loved them and uh, misgenders her a bunch and totally lets the parents off the hook for their transphobia. And yeah, my understanding of, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but just to go back to like the summary, my understanding of that scene is that they thought they were doing the right thing by not letting the parents know that the dead character was in fact a trans woman, which is not the right thing to do. But like, that was my perception of, the situation and um you know uh i'll be perfectly honest by the end of this episode maybe i like missed some stuff because of how angry i was at the rest of the episode but um i think that's a huge fear for a lot of trans people Mm -hmm. that when they die their family will misgender them a whole bunch Mm -hmm. and bury them incorrectly and uh you know i don't know if i would qualify myself as trans with being non-binary i know some non-binary people do some don't uh i you know tend to not refer to myself as trans i just refer to myself as genderqueer or non-binary but like that's a huge fear of mine is that something would happen to me, I would die, my parents would get to bury me, and they'll put Andrew on my tombstone and refer to me as he, him, the entire time at my funeral. And that's fucking horrific. And to have that be the happy conclusion of this episode, it's fucking horrific. 
and the show is patting itself on the back the entire right. time it's doing it. Mm. And it's just like, you do not understand writers and actors and this fucking drag queen in this show how absolutely horrid what you just portrayed is. And the drag queen, you should fucking know better. You don't, but you, sh- you fucking should. By the way, uh, Caitlin Dowdy uh, of the Ask Mortician YouTube channel uh, has a lot of information available on how you can protect your identity in death if you are trans or non-binary. So just shout out to uh, Caitlin Dowdy for being, uh, one, willing to talk about that sort of a thing in a public setting, you know, like death and dying and funerals and stuff, and also uh, being a trans ally in that regard. So if you are a trans person or a non-binary person and are concerned about not to get morbid here, but just this is very useful information. Uh, you can you can take steps to make sure that the people who uh, execute your final wishes are going to do it correctly. I just remembered the other huge issue I had with this episode. So the reason the entire theft of the money with fucking mm. little little Calcastus is, um. Little Padawan Cal, little horny <laughs> Padawan Cal Custis is like, I'm going to be a man soon and I haven't lost my virginity and he's desperate to lose his virginity. So he goes to hire a prostitute for $400 and he hires Michaela. Michaela is like on board and ready and uh, she is explaining this to Brit as Brit confronts her. And uh, as she is explaining it to Brit, she says, like, she explains, like, I have um, different uh, fiddly bits than, you know, some people expect. And that actually is a big draw for a lot of my clientele. But for some of them, you know, it's an issue and I have to do a lot to protect myself and protect them, which I thought, like, was weird to say that she doesn't protect them. And then she explains that she like thought that she had made it clear that she was trans and that little Calcastus was on board for that. But she realizes that right when they're about to do it, he does not know. And she is not worried for her own safety. Like what happens to a lot of trans Mm -hmm. uh, women in the sex industry but she is worried about traumatizing him and how she's going to ruin his life and he would be the victim in all of this. Mm -hmm, And so she takes his money and runs away and it's so buck fucking wild that that was like the take away was like, oh, as this trans sex worker, if we were to find out I was trans, he would be disgusted and he would be traumatized for life. And so I had to leave when like, the very like common reality is that trans women of color are like very disproportionately uh, at risk of, of that sort of assault and fucking shit. It was bad. It was a real bad take. Yeah. The real in, in real life, the, uh, the like end point of that was not him being traumatized, but her being like assaulted or murdered. 
was the mm-hmm. real danger there. Yeah, and to just like totally paint him this like rich white boy as the victim was like fucking bonkers to me. Yeah. Yeah, at that point, that was before I had like, and I don't want to harp on this casting situation, but maybe I kind of do. Um, this was before I like did the digging and understood and I, you know, hearing that come from somebody who identifies as trans, it's like, huh, that's a wild take. But if they feel comfortable saying this or if they consult on the script, then I and then I guess I I respect their their you know perspective on this, their experience. That's not what happened. So mm-hmm. it's it's just it is can't say this enough. The actor is sis. Sis. Yes. It's it sucks. And it's so much like you 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 hit the nail on the head, Andy. Like it is so much these people just patting themselves on the back. Like this could have been just a normal episode that also included a trans person and it would have been but it is so self-aggrandizing, so like, yeah. Our macho character Brit would love his child even if they were trans and everyone just like is jerking themselves off in the writing room because they're so woke. It's 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 sick. Yeah, so that's that episode. That's that, that episode. Just slam dunk that episode right in the trash. Um mm-hmm. but I like I was saying at the beginning, I wasn't real stoked about any of these episodes. Uh, I feel like it's becoming very Mm -hmm. difficult to sympathize with Hank because his unhealthy relationship with his wife is escalating and escalating. Like it was, it was actually sort of endearing at the beginning because, you know, they had recently divorced. He was clearly still very attached to her. And she was also like very willing to like be involved in his life. Like she She was was reciprocating. Yeah, she was bringing him takeout and stuff and, like, checking up on him. So, like, his, like, sort of unhealthy, like, attachment to her wasn't really, like, a red flag at that time. It was, like, kind of a kind of a bummer, but it was understandable. You know, I could see why that character felt that way. I sympathized with him. I, you know, sympathized with the ex-wife as well. So it wasn't really a problem at the beginning of the season, but now it's becoming like stalker levels of problematic. The uh, the instance where he first spies on the new fiance was wrong, but you could point it out as, oh, well, he just wants to make sure his ex, who he's still close to, is in good hands. You know, men are creeps and to do bad things and like he just wants to make sure this dude isn't an issue and also it was consistent with the rest of his behavior like yeah, Hank is a morally gray kind of a dude you know yeah, he's okay it, with uh breaking laws as long as it is to a good end and and know. he could justify it and you yeah. as the viewer are kind of like well you know that's kind of shitty but like also it fits the character and like the show also recognizes it's shitty so it doesn't feel gross but all of this other shit and like one is gross and two it's bad writing like hank the ex-wife and her new husband kind of having this weird friendship is kind of interesting and refreshing and if it had been like portrayed as everyone being adults and healthy about it would have been really cool actually i would have been like oh wow that's really neat that hank isn't being a weirdo creep 
to his ex-wife and her husband, and, like, the three of them are remaining friends. Like, that's kind of cool. But no, Hank has to be a fucking weirdo creep. And the show kind of, like, justifies it with having this weird thing in the ex-fiance's backstory about him, like, and his parents, like, being pedophiles or something. And it's out of nowhere. It brings nothing to the plot because it turns out the the ex-wife knew about it and believes he was innocent or whatever. And it's just, like, so convoluted. And I don't know what the Mm -hmm. show is trying to say with it. Then also, our other relationship that we thought was healthy is in the garbage now. Um, Jesus, yeah. Well, because of the effects of Hank. Like, because Hank has, like, tainted both of those relationships. uh, I I mean, it's not entirely Hank's fault. I mean, indisputably, uh, Kate did something wrong by cheating on Brit. Uh, But it was Hank who convinced her to lie to him about it. Uh, it was Hank and to convince her to lie it. to her. Yeah. To, and, she, and like, she and is like, begging Hank to tell her to tell Brett. She is right. begging Hank to. And mm-hmm. Hank is just like, no, keep lying. Murder those feelings. Keep lying. It's it's like we talked about early on how like we liked that there was not like a will they won't they between like these two that they were going to have like an illicit affair because they have this this relationship that's a little bit deeper than just like your co-workers fiance. But like this is worse of like him more or less like not act not it's not blackmail because he's not threatening her but like having this in his back pocket and like not only like telling her hey like lie about it continue lying about it but then telling Brit like hey uh you know this this thing you want to propose maybe wait on that maybe like influencing him because of this knowledge that he has that he's being a bad friend to Brit he is being like some kind of he's being manipulative. I don't know what the what the word like the abusive term would be, but it's some kind of manipulation to Kate and like doesn't have to deal with any of the repercussions because he's just like, well, I don't want my friend to get hurt and I don't want uh, to have to deal with this. So I'm just going to uh, make these people miserable and slough off back to my house. Yeah, so I I get the vibe that the writers felt like Kate and Brit having a, a positive relationship was boring. And so they had to pull this random affair that it wasn't an affair. It was a one night stand. Like they had to pull this out of their asses to create some kind of conflict. And like, I'm bummed about it. I really liked these people having a healthy, normal relationship. Right. Yeah, you, you never see that in television because everyone feels like they gotta make the relationship interesting. It was interesting just to see two people like each other for a change. Well, I would, would also been... say that it was super interesting seeing Hank's wife's new husband, fiance, like just having a positive relationship with Hank. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that he was like bending over backwards to like be kind to Hank and help Hank out with stuff was really refreshing. And like, there wasn't this weird jealousy angle. Uh, and they fucking tanked that too. There's a show. There's, there's a storyline here where Hank, because he is morally gray, uh, hints to Kate that she should not tell Brit. 
And this is as Hank is on the brink of like ruining the relationship with his his uh, ex-wife and her fiance because of his creepery and because he he's like trying to self-sabotage. And then Kate does not take his advice, tells Britt right away. They have hard times, but are able to reconcile. And then Hank sees that and is like, huh, maybe I won't throw this relationship in the trash. Maybe there is sense in like just being honest and coming forward and, and trying to see the best in people. And like, you get to have your conflict and things get reconciled and it does still add some layers to the plot, but like you don't lose these like likable characters and these likable dynamics, these likable places where they are. Like that's that's what made this show was Hank was extremely likable despite being basically a piece of shit. And he got to hang out in circumstances, in places and in groups of people where we enjoyed seeing him. And all of that is gone. Hey, Ronnie, you're hired. I just it's. <laughs> <laughs> I know I did I didn't I do a treatment for uh earlier in the season too for the for the weird stuff it's oh, it's all man. it's y'all I there were issues in the first six episodes but I was genuinely really enjoying this show and the theme song would come on and I'd kind of like do a little dance and like come along to it because it's a catchy theme song yeah. and so often with ending pending we watch garbage so I was like so excited to be enjoying a show and looking forward to it. And these four episodes were rough, y'all. Like, the theme song would come on, and I would look at Evan and be like, I need a beer. Like, fuck this. Yeah, you know we put off watching the, the, like, each one we would put off watching progressively longer. So. I was watching episode nine, uh, and I got halfway through it. Um, before uh, the capital of my country was stormed by domestic terrorists. So mm-hmm. that's that's where I was. Um, and, and you know why it's been so bad? There hadn't been a dog in this show since episode three. Mm. Yeah. Also what, the, what the fuck is your show called Terriers for? There's not even any doggos. I will say that there's not much I want to do at a diner to get free breakfast. <sighs> I fucking miss diners. Yeah. Fucking miss diners. You know what I miss? This this is I'm not even, this is such my privilege is showing out my ass. I miss tableside guacamole. Mm. It's okay to miss that, Ronnie. I this know is, this is a, had, a a simple uh uh middle class person pleasure that mm-hmm. you should not feel bad about missing. Kirsten made good guacamole and Lila liked it. And I realized that Lila in her, I mean, we've known this before, but Lila in her uh, cognizant, her like cohesive life, the life that she can actually like remember, I assume has never been to a restaurant and therefore like, of course has never had table side guacamole, mm-hmm. which is like the least, <laughs> the least important thing ever right now. But yes, a diner, a diner sounds absolutely wonderful. Yeah, I mean, if you want to feel better about your, you know, middle class privilege, uh, I watched a YouTube video by uh, Strange Eons where she and her girlfriend went to a furry convention and I had the strangest, like, depressed pining for just being at any convention ever. Like, this going to, like, anime and comic conventions and cosplaying was a big part of our like sort of annual cycle, like part of our life 
before the COVID times that I've never been to a furry convention, but it was just similar enough that it triggered this powerful longing in me. The artist alley, as they were walking down artist alley, it was like, that could have been an artist alley at Katsukan or NYCC, or we were going to go to Dragon Con for the first time. That didn't happen. Yeah. I'm, I desperately pine for the, you know, several, several hundred dollar experience of going to an anime convention for a weekend. Of being drunk off my ass in a hotel lobby while wearing too much makeup. And I know, like, I'm fully with you, Ronnie. I know that that sounds like such a stupid concern next to the people who have lost their lives or lost their jobs or lost loved ones or or what have you. But I think it's okay to be sad about that sort of stuff also. Mm -hmm. It's almost like 2020 didn't come out of nowhere, but was actually a culmination of uh, years and years and years of systemic issues yeah. And we're seeing in 2021 that just because it's a new year and going to be a new administration, none of it's going to go away. And that realization is upsetting and scary that it wasn't just a random bad year, but it was actually a lot of bad years leading up to a fucking the, just everything breaking and all of the institutions that we've lied and said have meaning and are going to help uh, fell apart. That was a downer. Whoops. Yeah. <laughs> I had a really bad day today. I don't know if that's obvious this episode. Welcome to our lives, listener. 2021 isn't off to a great start. It's definitely not. I know the- that years are fake and made up, but The best thing I could say about 2021, which is extremely sad, was I looked at the calendar and I was like, huh, almost February. Almost one twelfth of the way through this. Mm -hmm. Even though, again, that means nothing. February is going to be rough because that's when KatsuCon is. And I'm going to be sad the entire month. Because KatsuCon is my favorite. Mm-hmm. We need to set up a, a P.O. box that you can get gifts sent to to help you through February. Yeah, send me presents. That'll help. I love presents. Andy loves presents. I really Andy love loves presents. attention. I do Andy love loves attention. to know that someone somewhere is thinking about them. Right? That's want- that Leo energy, though. That is, that is straight up that Leo energy. If you are thinking of me and giving me attention, it means that I have influenced you, and I love yes. feeling powerful. I want to know that I, I am, uh, what's the, what's the thing? Creating, um, manipulative and bad relationships with people on the internet, content creators. Oh, parasocial relationships? Yeah, I want to create as many parasocial relationships with our listeners as possible. Big Leo. I was thinking the same thing that like, I, 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 you can probably guess by the fact that as we talked about, got married at 21, I fall in love very easily. And that is, you know, very, very deep romantic love like I have with my wife. But also just I fall in love with like people that are online and people that are friends. And I do that very easily. And if I can make people love me, then that's just like the baseline. If I fall short of making people love me, it's because I'm doing something absolutely hard and terrible. And I need to just like reevaluate all my shit. 
That's why we're going to create a Patreon so you can prove how much you love us with a dollar amount. <laughs> yeah, this more is on the, the Patreon amount coming soon. That you love us. Yeah. We're going to put a direct numerical uh, value on it with US you currency us for as long much. as the US is still around. <laughs> Pretty soon this our currency pa- will soon be meaningless. Pretty soon our Patreon will be like this many seeds. Mhm. Please, please, please send, send us all bells. your cast iron cookware too. <sighs> um, oh boy, we this has been a dark episode, y'all. We confronted some tough things. We talked about the past. Next week, next week, it's all about the future, baby. That's all about that future, Ronnie. In Um, in the midst of all of this, let me just say, Ronnie, I love you. Andy, I love you. You're very precious to me. Both of you are. If you're listening to this episode, I love you too, just a little bit. I don't know you, but uh, I don't take it weird. I love, one of our I love all people in a, you know, socialist, empathetic way where I believe that you all deserve to have good things and deserve to be happy and deserve to have free time and deserve to have your basic needs met. So I love all of you, too. I'm going to say something positive, too, because I think that was a really good idea, babe. Uh, listeners... I'm going to say that, you know, we had some goofs here about parasocial relationships and shit, and uh, we talked a lot about some real horrible things, but uh, Ending Pending is a bright spot in my week, and if you listen to it, I appreciate that, and uh, I think you're all uh, pretty, pretty neat. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. Uh, to quote... Uh, Brian David Gilbert uh, I'm not your friend and you have no say over what I do with my body um, but I still like you and I'm still happy that you like my podcast um, and uh, thank you for uh, for sharing some people shared doggos in our Facebook group um, and that was excellent thank you to Rose Oh, heck yeah. We're sending those good, good doggo and kitty cat pics to our Facebook page. Oh, I saw those. Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah. Send your Andy Pendy pets to uh to the, 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 a comment on our Facebook page. Or just your tweet Andy, them at us. Andy or Twitter. Pendies, your, your, your Pendy pets. Send us those pets. We love or don't, because pets. I'm not your friend and I have no, no, nothing to say about what you do to your body. But... For a certain dollar amount on our Patreon, you could be our friend. <laughs> <laughs> and you might be able to have a say on what we do with our bodies. Um, no, you won't. Um, give us money, though, please. Anyway. Please give us money. More on that soon. Please stay, stay close to the, the Twitter, and, uh, and, and we'll have information on that in the coming weeks. You can follow us on that Twitter, at PendingPod. You can follow us on Facebook, at pending pod, you can follow us on Instagram at ending pending, and you can fa- send us an email pendingpod at gmail.com. Check out the other shows that we are in league with, which is that's Force Friends Rewatch. Go give them a listen. Uh, hear all about uh, Jedis who pay sex workers. Also, sex work is work. 
Sex work is work. I, I, that was not a dig against sex yeah. work. It's Jedi's Jedi's no, who I'm pay just... sex workers are probably the the only Jedi's that I appreciate. Probably a lot of Jedi pay sex workers. I mean, they're allowed to have sex. That's officially okay. The the, the shit Starbucks or Best Buy or Giovanni's made me did was way more degrading and uh, you know probably unhealthy for me than uh, what uh, consenting sex workers deal with. So you know, what if we just decriminalized that and protected sex workers? That'd be great. Mm-hmm. You're not a feminist if your feminism doesn't include trans women and sex workers. It's true. What we should do is outlaw Best Buy, because that shit sucked. Yeah. Okay, let's wrap up the episode. <laughs> Andy, anything you want to say sorry for? Uh, no. Fuck fascism. And Hell fuck yeah. fuck Donald Trump. And Mitch McConnell and Mike Pence. And uh, Nancy Pelosi. I fucking hate Nancy Pelosi. Anyway, Ted Cruz, we're getting Josh Hawley. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, who's that? Who's that fucking twerp? Um, in Texas, Dan Crenshaw. Fuck Dan Crenshaw. Oh fuck Dan Crenshaw. Fucking twerp. Just, just a sniveling, spineless twerp. God, all of them are ghouls. They're all fucking ghouls. All right, bye. Have a great bye. week, everybody. <laughs> Whoops. It's been a lot. It's been a lot. Pardon us. It's been a lot.